for a business driving late at night psycho 78 12 o'clock don't be late i said all this horror greetings and salutations my name is justin lore and i'm liam o'donnell and you are listening to episode 73 of horror business horror business and today we are joined by a very very special guest someone who we have wanted to get on the show for a while uh author scott Poole. how are you doing today scott i'm doing good you know good ish <laughs> yeah i mean as as best as you can in the uh, uh hanging in there you know just yeah. you know waiting for the uh the waiting for you know COVID 19 to mutate and turn us all in the shambling math and matheson style ghouls but you know right, that's right you know that's 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 life in america these days are you planning on going more um Vincent Price or, or Charlton Heston? Definitely Charlton or Heston. Or Will Smith. Not Will Smith because I don't want to kill okay. my dog. All right. <laughs> okay. But but Charlton Heston just because I want to like face off against like funky, weird white people and then um, you know, be a messiah. Right. right. And uh and also drink scotch and cry yeah. in your luxury condo. Yeah. <laughs> I, no, I would pick Heston too. Yeah. Gotcha. So today we are talking about two films that, that Scott was, that picked. That was dark. <laughs> no, that, hey, hey, like I said, it's 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 better than going like Will Smith and being like, I'd rather do that than um murder my dog and then you know sleep in a bathtub and <laughs> you know defy God and. I mean, my brain was going to the crazies anyway, and that's a whole other level of dark, yeah. So. Oh yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Mm. So today we're going to be talking about uh, two films involving uh, the devil. That old devil Satan. Come on, night nineteen sixty eight's The Devil Rides Out, and then two thousand eleven's Drive Angry, another a, a, a Nick Cage vehicle that I am very happy to have watched. So yeah, uh, super excited about both of these. I you know there are two movies that you. So this is like the uh, you know peanut butter and chocolate the per first person that put them together you know it's a genius and uh so i'm taking credit right now for putting together devil I, rides out i appreciate that yeah driving drive angry because they they're interesting things for for fans to to see at the same time if you know like me you like to you know plan out your your horror marathons and this this is a good one i was going to say is this a double feature you've been wanting to program somewhere or you know make people sit through it is. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I would definitely, you know, once we can go in public again, like I, I definitely hope to to do that. And uh, it's, you know, um, I, I'd actually really enjoy doing it with uh, some of my students. I, I'm a professor at the College of Charleston, and uh, I'd love to see their reaction to these films together for reasons I'm sure we'll talk about. <laughs> have you gotten to teach either of these uh films before is no, this something you've been able to work I in i haven't i haven't yeah i've taught rosemary's baby you know 37 times and uh so i i, I actually might i mean i focus so much on uh american culture and my my coursework that um you know uh working in uh the hammer films hasn't hasn't always been uh been particularly germane but but i, I i'd love to teach either one you know <laughs> i was just thinking about teaching a nick cage fan you know? <laughs> <laughs> i mean i think you could, you could do a whole thing so about today, 
kids, uh, we're going to see Nick Cage drink beer out of a human skull. And <laughs> this is all going to be on the exam. So <laughs> I feel like you could do a whole section about is is Drive Angry like an unofficial sequel to Ghost Rider in some way? You know, like... oh, yeah, absolutely. It is. It, uh, if, yeah, it feels like it feels like that. someone who is very Ghost Rider three. It feels like someone who was very drunk and very high tried to explain the plot of Ghost Rider to someone else. Yeah. And that guy was like, okay, yeah. I got enough. Yeah, I'll yeah. make my own thing. Yeah. No, yeah. Uh, 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 definitely. And, you know, as we, and I, I'm actually a fan of the Ghost Rider movies too, you know. Uh, but uh, anyway, yeah. <laughs> so before we go any further, we should let you guys know mm-hmm. that this episode is brought to you by you, our Patreon subscribers. We do not do this to make money. Well, that's not true. If a if like a dump truck full of money pulled up to my house and was like, we'll only give this to you if you keep doing hard business, I would take it. Why would Oh yeah, I? without a doubt. Why wouldn't I do that? But running a podcast network does come with some costs and your contributions help offset those costs. And for that, we are eternally grateful. I swear upon all the powers, dark and unholy, that we do have some stuff coming to you. Um, you just have to bear with us because we are in the grips of a worldwide pandemic that, as I mentioned off mic, could at any, to, at any moment mutate and turn us all into weird shuffling ghouls who... That was definitely on the recording. That wasn't off mic. That was just a few minutes ago on the episode. Yeah. <laughs> it's already happening. My memory's going. The memory soon, Soon the being that sits here will only be Justin in appearance and the Justin you know and love will be gone. And I will try to, you know murder my sister and then you know it's not a living dead reference so at patreon.com so if you want to contribute anything you can head to www.patreon.com backslash cinepunks and any contribution you make is it's like really appreciated i uh, it's so appreciated that i just appreciate it we appreciate it so to our patreon subscribers thank you so much you have some cool stuff coming your way once uh once we can go outside again like once we can leave the house, um, we have some cool stuff coming your way. Just bear with us, please. Because times are tough. The world is insane. But we're here for you. This episode is also brought to you by the fine folks at the premier screen printing company of the Lehigh Valley. That's Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. Now, Liam, if I asked you, I want to get a shirt made that said, I survived Captain Trips. Where would you suggest I go to get that t-shirt made? I would suggest you not get that t-shirt made. Why? <laughs> but if you wanted to get it made, you can go to Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations, xlvacx.com for all of your screen printing needs. T-shirts, hoodies, sweat sweatpants, bandanas, pillow, pillowcases. Uh, beer koozies. Beer koozies, shiny uh, uh, VIP jackets, members only jackets. Tall tees. Tall, t- tall tees. All sorts of things. Socks. Socks, yeah. <laughs> They're closed at the moment. Sorry. Because, again, the world has, you know, lost its mind. Um, but if you want more information, if, if you have this burning idea that, like, I need to get this made as soon as possible, go to www.xlvacx.com. That's www.xlvacx.com. Don't let the X's fool you. Chris reject. He partakes in spirits every now and again. Now, now comes the time when 
I burn the sacred herb and I light the black candles and I draw the icon of Solomon upon the ground. And normally I would ask Liam, Liam, what have you done recently involving horror? But we have a guest today. So I'm going to say, I don't give a fuck what Liam thinks. I'm going to say, Scott, what have you done recently that involves horror? Well, you know, uh, obviously other than being generally horrified, um, I uh, have had the chance to do some really good reading and um, to watch some great films. Uh, so I actually, uh, a kind of a treat that I gave myself, because we need to be giving ourselves treats, is I reread Kim Newman's uh, Anno Dracula, uh, The Bloody Red Baron. Uh, oh. And if... Uh, anyone out there is not familiar with, uh, I mean, most of your listeners probably are familiar with Kim Newman's work, uh, both nonfiction and his wonderful Anno Dracula series. Um, they should, should definitely check that out. Um, and uh, then, you know, other than teaching my classes at the College of Charleston in, in Charleston, South Carolina, other than teaching those remotely that all, all concern for in different ways, um, I, I, I've just been watching a, a lot of films, catching it, rewatching some things, catching up uh, on some things. I actually uh, did a kind of a, uh, and, and I, I consider him a, a horror director, at least in part, but some of the films of Yorgos uh, uh, Lanthimos. Uh, oh, sure. Yeah. 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 Uh, Dogtooth being kind of his, you know, breakout film, which actually. I sort of forgotten when I said, uh, you know, my brain just all of a sudden said, okay, Lanthimos, do it. I had, I had forgotten that, you know, essentially Dogtooth is kind of an isolation film. Um, and, and all of his films in one way or another deal with that, like the, the 2015's The Lobster and uh, even to a certain degree, uh, one of my... Actually, you know, maybe my favorite of his films, just because it's so strange, the, the the killing of the sacred deer that came oh, yeah. out just in in 2016. It's just such a weird, strange, um, ex, you know, uh, frightening <laughs> experience. So yeah, that's that's what I've been doing. Yeah, and rewatching the the Devil Rides Out and and Drive Angry, which is fun too. <laughs> I like how Lanthimos like he manages to. Um push the realms of what people are willing to like narratively accept you know like you're kind of you're pulled in it's not a it's not a yodorowsky film there's something happening that has a has a definite narrative plot but it just doesn't make sense if you're own if you're trying to use your logical brain to decode what's happening it's not going to work for you somehow. Yeah. And, and I think there's, you know, it's everything from, you know, the incredible actors that, that, uh, and the incredible performances that he's able to get to, to the, to the writing actually of, of the films. But, um, he's just, he's very much able to build a world that you just kind of accept, um, you know, uh, the, the joke about like you know you don't don't question the logic of hot tub time machine i mean you don't question you don't question the logic of the lobster it's just yeah what it is and you go with it i i agree and i love it and it it all works for me he's just one of my favorites everything he does yeah. i just yeah 
Justin, my turn or your turn? Nah, you can go. All right. Uh, what have I done horror related? Not a whole lot, actually. So while I love that on social media, everyone is sharing all the fun books and movies and things. Now, I get it. If you have a social life, then being stuck inside and suddenly watching movies is like kind of a bummer for you, especially if you make money other places and you're like losing your mind because you're not making money. And in that, I agree. I'm not making money right now. It's making me really anxious. But I also am the parent of a three-year-old. And the reality is, if I'm going to do anything for me, that's going to be during nap time, assuming she takes a nap, which we're, <laughs> we're, we're batting about 50, per, you know, 50, 50 this week. And then at night, which means like before I fall asleep and I've been recording uh, a lot of podcasts this week, which is just a plus that I've been able to get some stuff in podcast wise yeah. last week and this week or, and over the weekend. But um, I had to watch stuff for those. So uh, horror wise, I did watch two things, but I talked about it on the last episode, which was uh, The Hills Have Eyes and Alucarda. Um, and then I had our movies to watch for this. The only thing I was able to sneak in was, oh, sorry, my brain just died. God damn it. I know. Sorry. Um, I just always just say phantasm when I can't think. <laughs> I'm going to start doing that in like casual conversation. Like, oh, yeah. Who, who's that guy, that actor that was in the, he, he was in like Unbreakable. I can't really, oh, phantasm. No, no. The actor who played, he was in Die Hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Phantasm. Yeah. You know, you yeah, remember. Phantasm. It's phantasm. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I just find it a good, it, it's a good right. general play. Sorry. I got it. I got it. My bad. So with um, the onset of uh, our, our general plague area, um, our, our plague condition, um, they've been releasing current movies to uh, VOD. Yeah. And yeah. so, which is, which is a, a plus and a negative. I think it's currently a plus and long-term it will be a negative because it will further make the case that theaters are superfluous, which I do yeah. not think that they are. Yes, exactly. Uh, however, it does mean I got to watch the Invisible Man. Yes. Yep. And I Me think too, it, actually. I saw I think, it too. I think it was very, very good. Mm -hmm. Very, very I, good. I, I loved it. Yeah. I yeah. really loved it. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, you know, Justin talked about it a little bit on one of our episodes, but, you know, I just think it's done very well. It's very tense. I was unfortunately not able to watch it in one full sitting. I had to break it up again because I'm a parent of a toddler who's stuck inside. Parent, right. uh, but I enjoyed everything about it and I kind of want to watch it again just so I can sit through it mm -hmm. and not like break it up. You know what I mean? Yo, that restaurant scene in a crowded theater, uh, that was like... Oh, yeah. I, actually, I was about to say, man. like it's a, such a perfect theater movie, you know, so it's a, a shame to have to watch it at home. So, yeah, it's it was great. It's also an argument for um, for being able to go to watch a movie with an audience. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. So, but that's about it. Uh, the other thing I watched that uh, was just, I think, amusing to note, I watched uh, White Force, which is a, a later film of Pinoy auteur Eddie Romero. Uh, people might know his Blood Island movies if they're into Filipino hmm. horror, or they might know his uh, more widely seen exploitation movies like White Mama, Black Mama, and Savage Sisters. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And what's great about Eddie Romero is all of his widely distributed movies are genre films and then all of his uh tagalog philippine mostly only films are like historical dramas or like art films so it's like <laughs> he, it's almost like he had two separate careers but white force was definitely one of his late career uh action films starring that dude who played flash gordon 
Sam Jones, I think is his name. Oh, okay. Oh, man. Deep fall for that guy. It was like Flash Gordon and then, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Real. <laughs> so, uh, it, you know, I can only recommend it. I watched it for my uh, Vic Diaz podcast. And um, mm-hmm. if you aren't a big Vic Diaz fan and you're not interested in watching Flash Gordon make a fool of himself, there's really no reason <laughs> to watch the movie. But if you're, I know we have some listeners whose experience of films is maybe a bit more ironic than ours. And I definitely was watching it thinking, if I was the kind of person who wanted to make fun of a movie, oh, this movie is ripe for it. The sound <laughs> doesn't work. The acting is ridiculous. There's a, there's a, uh, some of the performances are just like, why are you doing this? So I got, I got to say, if there's, there are points where Sam Jones shows up and the drug dealing thugs are just so afraid of him that they faint. He literally goes, ha ha. They go, oh God, and fall over. And I'm like, what is happening right now? So White Force, um, again, I can't say I'm recommending it, but I feel like it's worth mentioning for people who like that sort of thing. And Justin. Uh, I haven't really done too much in the realm of horror. Uh, I did finally, after years and years and years of cajoling, threatening, and mocking at times, uh, I finally subscribed to Shudder. Finally. So I have access to a whole plethora of films. Um, I rewatched a movie on there called Terrified. Sure. You, we talked about this the first time you watched it, and you weren't sure how you felt about it. Yeah, I know how I feel about it now. That's one of the scariest movies I've ever seen. Okay, okay. Um, I don't know it. Yeah. Oh, my I God. It's it. e- Even the poster is like, what the fuck am I getting myself into? Um, but, yeah, this, this movie is just like absolute. I mean, the ending is like sort of weak. And by the ending, I mean like literally the very last scene is like, oh, why'd they do that? But, um, no, the movie overall is like, I mean, the, it's a perfect title. It's batshit terrifying. Uh, so I would suggest that anyone who is interested in being frightened out of their mind, go watch that movie because um, Shudder is offering a free 30-day trial due to the uh, social Excellent. isolation trend we're doing oh, right now. So Shudder.com, go check it out. Yeah, it's it's great. I mean, they have so much good stuff. I mean, classics and um, indies that you've never heard of and some series and documentaries. And yeah, Shudder's great. This isn't technically horror-related, but... It is somewhat horrific. Um, I started watching The Plot Against America. Oh, right. Uh, I'm interested. Oh, I love that. It's good? Oh, my God. Well, here's the thing. I don't know if it's actual. I mean, it's probably good. It's probably it's it's probably actually good. I was so blinded and, like, fawning over the fact that, like, there's a good, like, so much of that episode, of the first episode, which is the only one I've watched so far, is dedicated to dragging Charles Lindbergh over the coals. And oh, just, God, and I'm like, yes, please. Fucking give it to me. Shoot that shit well, right into my good. fucking veins. Please. Like, if they talk about Charles Coughlin in the next episode, I'm going to have a physical orgasm. Just, <laughs> like, all these pieces of shit historically who get, like, held up as these, like, great... Po- well, not that Charles Coughlin is... I think he's, like, pretty universally loathed. But, I mean, yeah. just just seeing, like, Charles Lindbergh... But Lindbergh, and- nobody knows the story. Exactly, yeah. yeah. I mean, so... I- I, I hope that they also uh, uh, Henry Ford. Oh, really well, here it, Henry Ford. It's interesting because they say like they in the very in this episode when uh, Charles Lindbergh, there's this like Jewish family who's like, you guys don't understand how dangerous this guy is. Like, sure, sure, sure. Ford has millions of dollars, and he's arguably even like 
ideologically worse, but nobody likes Ford. No, you know, what is he makes cars? That's it. Like Charles Lindbergh is like a hero to people. Like, he's a hero. He, he's yeah. very dangerous. And they're like, yeah, but this is America. They can't do that. And they're like, all right. I really right. want to watch it. I, 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 I haven't gotten to do it yet. I did the uh, first episode of Westworld. Yes, uh, which I love. Um, I know it's kind of controversial. Some people hate it, but I very much enjoy it. And I enjoyed that first episode. That first episode was heartbreaking. Uh, but the line, the line that she has where she says, um, you didn't have a God. You were free, but you made one. Yeah. And now the real gods are coming and we're very angry. And I was like, uh, I'm kind of into that, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I kind of yeah, like no, that. The, I've. I've I've only seen the first episode too, but I, I, I'm actually really into what they're doing. Um, I, I don't think we, I know it has been controversial, but I, I don't think we could have stayed in the park for three no. seasons. Did you, you guys, know? did you guys see the post credit scene to this though? Yes. Okay. Just making sure. Yes. I thought that was the one part that actually made me a little edgy only because I thought I don't need a whole season of another park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would have been bad. But right. In the footage for the future episodes, we see that she doesn't stay in the park. If, yeah. if I was meant to watch a whole other plot line of her in the park while Dolores is out in the world, I would have been like, nah, y'all, I can't. It's no, yeah. I'm ready for the next step. I don't need more park. I hope she kills Robot Hitler. That would be cool, though. Yeah. And then <laughs> Robot Charles I'd Lindbergh. <laughs> No, I, uh, I actually watched it on opening night, and then the second episode came out last night. I just, I just realized that. Yeah, I haven't um, watched it. I got a chance to watch it again, and it just, man, it made really made me miss Breaking Bad, just because like Aaron Paul is, he's just that scene. I'm not gonna for anyone who hasn't seen it, the uh, unsubscribe. Yeah, like that was just whew, like like that was that was rough. I think people give. Don't give him this the respect he deserves because he seems like kind of a uh, a bit of a one track pony. Yeah, a one trick, sorry, mm-hmm. pony. But uh, but I don't care because it's very good. It's a very good trick. If the one trick the pony does is breathe fire and do backflips, yeah. cool. <laughs> he makes care. He makes he makes these characters believably like. He he just has this way of portraying a certain kind of like working man downtrodden yeah. but still kind of dignified person that just like really works for me so you know i don't need to see him as like a super villain or something like i feel like there no. are roles he could be cast in that would fail horribly Look, if they cast if they cast, perfect. if they cast him in the mcu as galactus i'm not going to be happy with that hey 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 bro i'm here to eat the, the planet world. or whatever it's cool yeah that actually i'm I, i'm now all for him Playing Galactus, Galactus, Aaron yeah. Paul Galactus. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's all I've really done involving Har recently. Um, I, I, I bought a new collection of Junji Ito comics. Oh, that's definitely Har related. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, I really love the Frankenstein stuff. That's oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I, 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 but, I, but uh, everything. Yeah, it's wonderful. Actually, I was having a um, Daniel Kraus, um, you know, that uh, did the. Um, screenplay for shape of water uh also yeah yeah yeah, big big edo fan and uh was was just talking about him um uh talking with him a little bit about it on twitter the other day and yeah uh yeah that's amazing amazing stuff 
it's just so uh I, I don't know i'm i'm actually i only learned about in the last year actually so it's been new to me and it's been really enjoying yeah i had seen like some of like there's like memes that are based on like panels of his floating around the internet for years but it was mm -hmm. you know only within the last like not even a year i would say like since the summer when someone was actively like oh you're in the horror you should check out junji ito and i was like yeah the name sounds like japanese and i don't like manga and I'm like okay yeah stop, stop, stop being vaguely racist and check this out and i was like okay you, you have always been vaguely racist about yeah. i mean most asians yeah well it's it's funny when i when i uh when i when i like i got the the actual collection in the mail um I picked it up in my at my parents' house, and my niece was there, and I was trying to impress her, like, "Hey, you want to see something cool? Like, check this out. This is a Japanese comic. Now, watch this." And she goes, "No, it's manga, and you read it backwards." I know, I and I'm like, "Fuck you, then." Of like, course, she knows. She's ten. I don't know. I, I was trying to be like the all kids know about manga. There is no kid who does not know about manga. Okay. Well, same, bro. Anyway, I guess uh, we're going to take a quick break and when we come back. We're going to talk about 1968's The Devil Rides Out. Exciting. We'll be right back. Ricks, do you believe in evil? As an idea, do you believe in the power of darkness? That's a superstition. Now, there you are wrong. The power of darkness is more than just a superstition. It is a living force which can be tapped at any given moment of the night. Why? On one night of one year, should these people live in mortal fear? who knows he must fight the devil's power to the death. Oh, my God. Don't look at the eyes, Rex! Eyes, eyes, once filled with love, are consumed with fear. For Tanith is now promised to the devil. Listen carefully to what I say. This is Makata, the devil's chief disciple. Your will is leaving you, slipping away. The Devil Rides Out, from bestseller author Dennis Wheatley's famous novel, fills the screen with a special kind of visual terror. On your feet, quickly! Back to back, join hands! You will hear his evil. You will feel his evil. You will see his evil. If we once catch sight of his face. And we are back to talk about 1968's The Devil Rides Out, starring Christopher Lee, Charles Gray, and 
Nike Arige. Good work. Directed by Terrence Fisher. Written by the GOAT, motherfucking Richard Matheson. Yeah, dog. Yep. Absolutely. Very important. Very important to this film. Yeah. Yeah, you guys have heard of Richard Matheson. He's done a few things. He only, you know, made the most in- influential <laughs> horror novel of all time. It's fine. No big deal. The plot yeah. on IMDb. And, and the most well-known Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone, yeah. <laughs> the plot on IMDb. This is, I love their plots. They're so fucking stupid. Devil worshippers plan to convert two new victims. That's it. That's, that's the, the worst. Yeah. Yeah. That's just no. Yeah. We were we were we were recording that uh, that episode about Alucarda. Yeah. And IMDb plot uh-huh. claimed that Alucarda was uh was uh what's her name's imaginary friend, and I was like, how does that work? She's dead, and Alucarda's still there. Like, well, how could Yo, she be an imaginary friend? What is happening? Back in the day when TV Guide was still a thing, I remember being in like. 13 or 14 years old yeah and i'd go through to see what was on that night like yeah. oh like what's and there was there was uh critters 2 was on oh, and sure. i was like oh shit and the summary was alien creatures arrive in a small town and eat a cow which <laughs> which is technically true they're not wrong but you know a couple other things happen yeah so Scott, tell us tell us a little bit about this movie and, and, and why you chose it for uh for this episode. Yeah, so um, you know, let me try to give the the, the a, a little bit of a better summary. Yeah, please, please it, do, please so, do. So yeah, so it's it is a it is a nineteen sixty-eight film made um in nineteen sixty-seven. It's called The Devil's Ride The Devil Rides Out in uh the UK. It actually gets released in the United States as uh the uh the Devil's Bride, uh, because distributors here figured um Devil Ride, people's gonna people are gonna think that's a western. Uh, so went with the Devil's Bride instead, which tells us really nothing about the plot. Uh, <laughs> which, which, which is uh, that Christopher Lee, who absolutely owns this movie, he plays a uh, character called the Duke de Richelieu, which, as you can tell from his name, he's supposed to be French, <laughs> except he is as Brit he's so British that you think he's like putting on, you know, Union Jack pajamas when he goes to bed uh, <laughs> right, at night right. in this movie. Like, you know, he is as British as Bangers and Mash and uh Manchester United and all and all of all of that. So he is uh this older member of this male trio, uh Christopher Lee's character that Richelieu um uh, Rex, who is kind of his sidekick, which I'll have more to say about, poor dumb Rex, and um, and young Simon. And Simon has fallen in with some Satanists. And we learn within the first 15 minutes of the movie that uh, the Duke de Richelieu uh, is a very, uh, along with being an aristocrat and a veteran of the First World War, uh, where he met his other two uh, American uh, seem to be American friends. Um, he also is an expert in the occult, and uh, he is gonna. He he makes it his mission to to rescue his young friend Simon. Uh, this proves very difficult because the devil himself actually shows up in the film. Some really wonderful practical makeup effects uh, that could have been really goofy uh, if you think about making up. Uh, 
actually Christopher Lee's stunt, du stunt double in a number of films to look like a goat. But I, I actually think it works uh, really, really well. And uh, also there's a, uh, and I'm sure we'll have more to talk about with him, a, a, a very deadly Bond villainish, uh, uh, literally satanic uh, high priest uh, named Makata that he has to, uh, has to deal with. But he knows how to do it. The driving force of the film is Christopher Lee's character uh, ordering everybody around. Uh, explaining to them what a grimoire is, explaining to them what the clavicle of Solomon is, <laughs> is uh, uh, knowing how to draw a magic circle, which is very important. Turns out you do it with chalk instead of salt, like we all think. And yeah, so it's 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 uh, it's an amazing film of, of is, is British aristocrats just running around the countryside in in their car in the, their their nineteen twenties cars, um, trying to defeat the satanists and and satan himself one thing that while i was watching this at first i was sort of like eh, i don't know it was an element of the movie that didn't really appeal to me but the more i think about it the more i like is that apparently um richelow is this movie is based on a book and yes it's dennis Waitley's uh 1933 novel so yeah. It's interesting because it's a it's it was a best selling novel in its day, but you know it's pretty ancient, really, by night. Oh yeah, yeah. But yeah. Dennis Wheatley is just like you know he was for a long time kind of the UK's Stephen King. I mean, he kind of was the horror section, and, and also also was kind of a believer in the occult, so like sort of this you know occult expert in the post World War Two years. Oh yeah. Apparently, Richelieu was like a reoccurring character in a lot of his books. Yeah. And when I was watching this, I was like, it feels like there's a lot going on with this guy that they're that like the filmmakers are just taking for granted that we're supposed to know. And I was That's kind true. I was like kind of annoyed at first. But the more I thought about it, the more I was like, no, I actually kind of like that. Like, I kind of like the fact that there's just this this guy who is like, you know, he he just he, he he's like ultra competent knows how to get shit yeah. done knows how to draw these like sacred circles that we're supposed to stand within knows how to fucking banish demons and all this shit and they just never explain how he knows that i just think there's something fascinating right. about a character like that there's right. like oh yeah right. the, the one little bit of exposition that we get is you know christopher lee and you know full stentorian voice just you know kind of announces that he has he has researched these matters exactly <laughs> yeah it's so good <laughs> Okay, and, but and that, but he, that's actually kind of why I think that Christopher Lee is so is the I said he was kind of the driving force of the film because I actually am not sure anybody else could have quite brought that off. No, I, well, I, I at a certain point though, there's a there's a plot device the film uses that the third time it happens just makes me laugh, which is Christopher Lee barks commands at everyone and then is like, <laughs> I have to go. I have other things to do. Yeah, right. I have, yeah, and, 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 and we assume those things have to do with what's happening right now. We don't know. He might be like, I've actually got a whole other devil I'm fighting in a whole other yeah, part, but I, know, I, I just have no, to leave. I, I actually, this is the, one of the things that I, I love about the film, yeah. actually, is that, uh, you know, and, and this is part of it, but it's what I thought you were getting ready to say. So his sidekick, Rex. Yes. Uh, no. What, you know, why does he, he keep leaving like, Rex to do anything? He's like constantly messing up, which you know is a thing into itself. 
but you could actually uh, put together a really good Devil Rides Out drinking game with, <laughs> like, you know, take a shot when Christopher Lee says, Rex, you fool. Uh, Rex, what foolishness. Uh, Rex, look what you've got us into now. And uh, one, of the, uh, one of the hilarious things about this, too, is that um, Rex is, is, is actually a, a played by a, a – it, it, well, it played by – in the film, he's actually a stunt guy whose name I'm not recalling right the second. Um, but he's actually voiced by Patrick Allen, um, <laughs> who, who did a lot of voice work uh, just in general for Hammer. Um, and the reason is they just kind of wanted Rex to be this kind of handsome, you know, uh, uh, beefy guy, and uh, but but didn't didn't feel confident that the, uh, that the that the actor could actually kind of carry the character. So they they actually voiced the character as you know you're seeing him kind of you know mess up and carry Christopher Lee's water and spill it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay, Rex messes up constantly, but to be fair, this before the events of this weekend, I guess, he <laughs> yes. had no idea there was a supernatural world. So Christopher Lee is just like follow whoever you know, do this thing. And it's vague. It's like the most vague instructions. And without any specifics about, by the way, say you come upon an entire cult in the woods here's how you handle that or by the way you right. know and so like yeah he does the wrong thing but it's like how would he know like we have no i don't know what rex does in life. for all i know rex is you know what i mean right. like why am i supposed to I, I it's just funny that constantly christopher lee's like even later in the movie where they're at their friend's house and he says to uh you know is that his sister or no it's the other guy's Ant? I something, yeah. I was kind of confused as the relationship to the house where they do the ritual. Uh, at what is? Oh the... yes, that is confused. That the house where they go for yeah, uh, yeah, refuge yeah, huge and and Rex as well. We haven't seen them since. So Christmas. these are yeah, these are two people who have not had any evidence yet that any of what he's saying is real. And he's like, all right, I'm going to leave these people with you. Don't leave them alone ever. I'll be back and just like leaves. Right. And so, like, the fact that she actually, like, manages, I mean, she doesn't really, but through circumstances, manages to deal with this situation where, uh, you know, her husband doesn't get strangled to death or whatever. Yeah. Like, that's actually, like, pretty impressive. And when Christopher Lee comes back, there's no feeling of him being like, oh, yeah, I guess I should have prepared you slightly better for this scenario. He's just like, right. All right, well, this was meant to. It's like everything is dangerous. But look, if I don't go read a book right now. I won't be able to deal with this situation. I, I also love I also love the scene when they interrupt the um, very, very tame orgy where they're about to sacrifice. Oh, yeah, the completely clothed. Yeah, orgy. it's it, but, yeah, but, you know, this you is know, the interesting thing about it, because they're, um, you know, they're still kind of laboring under some older, uh, you know, British production codes. Uh, yeah, so they couldn't really quite do what they wanted to do. Um, although this film also was kind of the breaking point for him. Because it's actually, you know, kind of post-1968 that we get, you know, nudity in Hammer films. And Hammer films really just kind of go crazy after The Devil Rides Out, which opened the door for that a little bit. I, 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 do, I do love that, that scene when instead of having like, you know, because typically they, they, they would see the – when they see Baphomet get summoned, 
And Rex is like, what are we going to do? And you'd think you'd be like, all right, well, here's what we're going to do. We have to chant the name of like the seven seraphim five times. And then we have to use the holy ash from the burnt wings of an angel. Instead, he's like, here's this crucifix. I'm going to drive into that crowd of people and I want you to throw it at that thing. And (laughs) and it works. Well, yeah, it works. And it's, you know, it's kind of an insane moment in the film. It's just like, which kind of gets to why, you know, I think these films pair really you know really well um together uh, it's it's kind of a, a this is such an odd film for hammer to do also because you know it it, it is as i mentioned it, it's kind of a it's kind of a period film it's it's 1920s and um if you read the novel which i don't suggest anybody do actually <laughs> actually it's uh, quite dated but uh it, it's 1929 uh, and it's kind of odd for Hammer because, you know, they, they tended to, um, and Terrence Fisher, who as you mentioned was the director, um, I mean, he had really made his bones on the the classic films like uh, Curse of Frankenstein from 57 and Dracula, or, or aka Horror of Dracula in, in 58, uh, The Mummy. Hound of the ba- the sort of horror version of Hound of Baskervilles. So they had been used to doing kind of a vague uh, 19th century um, and a little bit more mannered, I think, in, in certain respects. I mean, I think that's a good description of Terrence Fisher's general directorial style. But this is a little weirder, and it's it's weirder in a fun way because so there, you know, it's set in the 20s, and then but then there's also these moments that like. You are. It's pretty clear that it's the '60s too. Right. I mean, the, yes. The, the scene that you're talking about, uh, and and which which is a really interesting scene too, because of our current interest in, in folk horror, the the kind of non non orgy satanic orgy. Um, you know, it's it, it's sort of interesting. You know, fans of Midsummer and and the other kind of flood of, of folk horror films that have have come along um, that. Uh, you know, there's, there's, they're, they're doing something really new, um, and uh, really new, even in the sense of, uh, I mean, remember this is coming out just a little bit before Rosemary's Baby, and so right. it's, it's before like the, you know, it's before the flood tide of, of, of satanic cinema, uh, and, and, and even, even really pushing the boundaries a bit of. Um, being able to use Satan as, as your, as your monster, that, which horror movies just hadn't really done you know, uh, in any significant way. Yeah. This brings it into a specifically like um, a specifically theological religious context that actually was not that popular. Like a lot of horror films yeah, that's true. were more about monsters, like more about natural aberrations or about being like haunted by the supernatural. And they very rarely were like, okay, but there is a bad guy and that is Satan, you know? Yeah, yeah. But what this yeah, film, um, what this film does yeah. that makes me think of it, not as quite as folk horror, like that scene is very folk horror, but um, a lot of folk horror, it feels like to me ties the question of, corruption to the people or to the the history or to the land and this is very much in that tradition of um rich people be crazy you know like (laughs) yeah it is you can't trust the aristocracy because they're doing something all the time that's bad 
Yeah, and this actually goes back to your point about um, about Christopher Lee Richelieu's uh, general kind of um, attitude of um, you know stiff upper lip uh, mates, you know uh, British uh, tight ass, you know. Right. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Exactly. Kind of figure. There, there's actually been some question raised from you know different critics. Uh, uh, Jonathan Rigby, uh, actually Ken Ken Newman, who, who who I mentioned earlier, who just happens to love this film. Um, there's been a question about whether or not Richard Matheson, who, you know, obviously, obviously a, a very American writer, um, you know, writing in a British context and, and the complexities of the British class system, some question about like how likable he really wanted our heroes to be. Um, and, uh, you know, that may be a, a little bit inside baseball, but I, I'm, I'm not sure because uh, there, there is really the, a sense that, um, you know, that as much as we sort of trust Lee with a lot of what is going on at the same time, I don't think anybody would say he's a likable character. Um, you know, we... Um, and and we're also used to seeing him as you know as a villain, and and I think, but I think some of it is Matheson uh, coming in again as an American writer, and you know trying to deal with um, with a, with a, a, a essentially again you know a circle of aristocrats, some of which uh, have gotten themselves involved in in, in Satanism. Um, there's a, another really funny throw moment with Christopher Lee in this kind of throwaway line where, you know they're deciding to as they race around the countryside they're trying to decide you know they're they're gonna you know they need a car and christopher lee just kind of waves his hand and says we'll take any of them you know as if he's got just like this fleet sure yeah <laughs> you know, that's, that's waiting so yeah I don't, I don't know you know and i i i it's it's interesting also i guess to think about um an audience today watching it your listeners sitting down, okay, I'm going to watch this and, and, and how they would react to it as opposed to 68. Cause it feels really kind of odd for the, the mores of the late sixties, you know, just in general. Yeah. Well, and it's, it, that, that's what I was thinking is that, that, that whole scene, like you said, is very reminiscent of the sixties and hippies and a general feeling of like the chaos under that, but it's, they're not like, that circle of people we're introduced to are like international uh, people of privilege. You know what I mean? And, and absolutely. And weirdly that there aren't as many, my experience is like, uh, again, we're not there yet, but my experience with the depiction of a group, like the group in this film is more akin to what we get in the Nick Cage movie in that yep. um, he doesn't seem to have any, uh, creepy acolytes to do his bidding you know what i mean yeah Yeah. like he doesn't have like uh they're usually deformed or they're in some way gross but someone who's like your gross right hand man slash woman who does all your actual bloodletting for you he like no one there like the all of his stuff isn't about actually getting involved with anyone it's like it's just his mind power and then these rich people who he just needs to be there for them to have (laughs) enough people to do the thing but none of them seem to do anything other than like watch him do stuff and kind of vaguely touch each other yeah they don't have any role to play really right yeah that's absolutely true although he he himself i think you know is and is a great villain and and, and so good quite 
doesn't quite stand up in a way to, you know, who he was having to act against in, in Christopher Lee. But I mean, I think that's just hard and in, in general. And, and so, you know, but yeah, he's, he's still, still wonderful. And, and also, by the way, there's an interesting, we talked about uh, Rosemary's baby coming out at about the same time. Um, the, the name Makata uh, was used in the Dennis Wheatley novel back in 33 and Ira Levin when he wrote Rosemary's Baby in 65 had, had clearly read that and so um, you know the, the villain kind of behind it all of course in Rosemary's Baby turns out to be named uh, Makata um, yeah. and, I didn't, uh, that, I didn't, and, and I didn't, clearly they're drawing on like sort of huh. the same so it's source material it's not a relationship between the films it's a relationship to Dennis Wheatley right. and right. over over the occult you know and well, our ideas about the occult it's uh, the other part thinking about Rosemary's Baby is that um, Rosemary's Baby for me manages to have very personal and very um, cosmic stakes at the same time you know, like this is a tragedy yeah. for Rosemary and it's a question about the rest of the world. And what I thought was interesting about this film is that it's not clear if Christopher Lee didn't have like friends skin in the game, if he would be as committed right. to doing everything he's doing. It's a, right. he's saving he his friend. Trying to save young yeah. Simon. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and I think that that explains a little bit why, you know, uh, although clearly, you know, Devil Rides Out is a, has become a uh, kind of a, a part of classic horror. It's often thought of as kind of the, it's actually often talked about as the, kind of the final classic Hammer film. Oh wow! Uh, because it's it's um, it's not Terrence Fisher's last movie with them, but it's probably his last really good film with them. Um, he did a couple of Frankenstein films in the early 70s that didn't do much and weren't you know were seemed very very dated but but like after devils rides out kind of comes the period of you know um however you feel about this film is a lot of fun you know uh the uh the legend of the seven golden vampires right you know yeah. where got, like tra <laughs> dracula you know uh in a martial arts <laughs> movie and it's not even christopher lee and we only see dracula for five minutes um and so you know this is this is a change for this is a, a big moment of change for for hammer and for for a lot of people you know other than maybe the you know their first two uh, frankenstein and dracula films uh the people that are big hammer fans this is kind of their 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 other favorite you know yeah it's there's a lot of charm i found it strangely charming considering i was watching a you know satanic horror film the whole time i was right. just thinking about like Oh man, Christopher Lee is so great, and <laughs> um, I really like even even Rex in his <laughs> bumbling whatever. I was like, oh come on, Rex, he's doing his come on, you know. Like I just uh, Makata, that that actor just really the scenes where he's hypnotizing people and they're just closing out in his eyes. I'm like, that guy has terrifying eyes. Yeah, he's terrifying. He's he, actually scary. Yeah. Yeah, I, all of that really works, and it, yeah, there's a certain cornballness. Like for a lot of people, oh, yeah. for a lot of people uh, who are, you know, horror fans and some listeners of the show, they kind of act like horror started 
with Night of the Living Dead, you know, for them. Like they just, everything pre Night of the Living Dead, they're kind of like, well, whatever, it's not really for me, blah, blah, blah. But I think if you're someone who has any affinity for Hammer, I don't know why this wouldn't be in your top 10. Like, I just think this is really uh, yeah, a lot I, of fun. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think a lot of horror fans probably would say, you know, um, I guess, you know, one of the things I wanted to say about the film to, to your listeners is, you know, just it, kind of give it a chance. I, I think a lot a lot of horror film fans will find it uh, a bit slow, I think. Sure. Um, but there's just, uh, it, there's a lot of richness there, if you know, if you, you stick with it. And um since 2012, uh, and this has been a li- little, you know, these kinds of things are a little controversial, but um, they did a bit of a cleanup on uh, the special effects. Um, and so, and I don't want to mention any particular companies or releases, but, you know, there's a, a, a kind of a good Blu-ray um, out there. that. that oh, mention away. I, we don't care. Know. Go ahead. Say which, which one should people so, get? Yeah, I, 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 I believe it's Arrow actually. Did, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, which you know does all kind of they do all sorts of great stuff, but um, uh, but yeah, their their Blu-ray edition, which also comes with a lot of really great extras uh, for fans that want to hear, you know, interviews about the film, deep dives into the film, and uh, and and into kind of Hammer history. It, it, it's it's very very well done, and and uh, and yeah, so uh, yeah, 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 I would say, definitely say give it a shot if if your your menu for horror is is, is generally a, a post nineteen sixty eight you know fire. I just want to say that um, this isn't like a criticism of the movie. It's just one thing that like mm-hmm. struck me, and this is this is entirely coming from me. How like uh, we had talked about it briefly the the quote unquote orgy scene and how quaint it seemed. The, the the quaintest thing about it wasn't for me wasn't really like the lack of nudity but uh i do love how there was a time in like horror culture where they were making movies where it was like we're going to do this ritual to summon satan and baphomet and i'm like yeah but they're not the really you know you gotta if you can pronounce the name of the deity you're summoning you're doing it wrong Right, that's right. like that's like that's like totally like the 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 Lovecraft fan of me is like yeah 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 Satan and Baphomet sure. they're 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 bad but have you heard of my friend Yog Sothoth and his friend you know whatever so I just I I love seeing these movies where they're seeing these like th- these people doing these goofy rituals and they're like oh, they're gonna summon Baphomet we 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 have to stop them for yeah Baphomet. and. And, and that's the interesting part of it too, is that you know, and some of this actually comes from Terrence Fisher. Um, some sure. of it is, um, but but you know, his kind of general. Um, so you know, in some of his other films, like the um, the '66 um, uh, Dracula, Prince of Darkness, you know, uh, there, there's a real, there's a very sort of religious worldview in it, you know, and and a pretty clear sense of you know god versus um the devil uh that that does also make it seem make the devil rides out i think or the the devil's bride if you prefer there there's not a bride of the devil in it so that doesn't work but um that does make it feel you know pretty pretty dated for the for the 60s uh you know it it, it doesn't 
it doesn't seem like Rosemary's Baby and The Devil Rides Out came out in the same year. Like, sure. I think if we didn't know that, you'd say, well, Devil's Ride Out, that must have been, you know, sort of early 60s or maybe late 50s <laughs> or, or something. And it, it just seems like it's, it's truly a different universe. I th- and, I th- and then certainly it just looked a few years ahead of when we're at The Exorcist, um, which, you know, again, has a... Um, uh, uh, has a has a obviously a, a a pretty clear and you know almost you know conservatively you know Christian notion of, of, of things, but but at the same time you know just is is willing just to go crazy is able to go crazy. Although I, again I would point out that his films like Rosemary's Baby and, and Devil Rides Out that made that possible. Well, I, I think the I think the thing about this movie that that sets it apart from something like The Exorcist or even Rosemary's Baby is there's definitely the those both both of those movies are very heavily christian films obviously but this movie is i, I mean i mean in rosemary's baby they're like oh yeah it's it's the antichrist it it focuses mm-hmm. more on like the evil of it and there's no real adversary to the evil in the in the exorcist there is that adversary but it's also it, it's not as ham-fisted and I, I don't want to say corny because that would imply that it was, I thought it was dumb, but I do love at the end of this movie, like one of the last shots we see is like the church being rejuvenated and the cross being right. revealed. And it's very right. like, that's pretty clear. Yeah. You know, it, it, it almost, it, it reminds me of a lot of like these, like the modern, like the conjuring movies, how like there are these, like the, there are these horror movies with this very, very heavy sense of like Christian morality to them. And again, I don't think it's a bad thing, but it, 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 it's 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 almost like I was watching it and I was like, oh, that's cute. That's adorable. OK, but here's right. but here's where but here's where the conjuring to me feels very American. And this film feels very British. And that is this. The what is the name of the people you hate that are in the conjuring? The Warrens. The Warrens, for the most part, don't do magic. Okay. Christopher Lee. Oh yes, he does actual. Christopher magic. Lee, yeah. regardless of what god he claims to serve, is a motherfucking wizard. Yeah, he in this movie. Yeah, there's sort of a white magic versus black magic. This, this is this is sermons. Uh, this is this is you how would we... not see in uh, the the Conjuring for sure. Yeah, there's there's a very there's a very important part in the C.S. Lewis space trilogy where Merlin is asked to come to terms with the fact that he must choose a side. And that he can no longer just do magic. And that was the evangelical aspect of C.S. Lewis, which is not his most important aspect in general. If you really read him closely, he was a bit of a universalist. No one talks about that. But <laughs> but he did have some evangelical influence in his life. And that and that idea that like you just can't go doing magic willy-nilly. You either serve God or there are other things, and all the other things are bad, whether they are yeah. Baphomet or just some spiritual stuff. This movie is like, no, 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 look, he's a good aristocrat, he serves queen and country, and he loves God, whatever that might mean, yeah. so he can do whatever magic right. he wants to do, as long as it's against the devil. And like, there's, you know, as, a, as an American who spent some time around American evangelicals, if one of them sees this movie, they're going to go, that man's going to hell. All those oh, people yeah. are going to hell. Yeah. They're all going to yeah. hell. And of course, that's a, that is a, an idea, you know, that, that goes all the way back to early modern Europe. I mean, the, sure. I mean, the witch trials, that, the, the kind of turn that leads to the witch trials in the 15th century is the notion that like, there's, there's no such thing as good magic. If you're doing any kind of magic, it's what they call malefica. You know, it's by nature diabolical. 
Well, so, yeah, they would have to burn both Harry Potter and Christopher Lee <laughs> as a witch. It's, it's also it's also worth noting that um, when they're doing the ritual, one of the one of the names he summons is Osiris. So it's 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 yeah. there's there's also that sense of uh, people tend to forget that a lot of the a lot of the beings that I mean it's not like fucking people walk around and they know the name of like Baal or like Azagoth or Memnon yeah. or anything like that or not Memnon um who's the fucking god of Mammon they weren't demons originally they were just gods of tribes that Israelites conquered and were like oh yeah that guy that you worship he's a bad guy now for like forever. So I do think there is a touch of like if you're not on our if you're not with us you're against us in this movie if only when they they summon the name of Osiris as like a deity that you would summon to do evil magic. Sure, but I think that's very rooted in like a very there's something very British to me about the whole like, you know, um we can trust this very very commanding aristocrat guy who by the way doesn't seem to have any emotions other than anger yeah uh, in this film I, I guess happiness but that's you know what i mean like everything is just oh you know like whatever uh, we can trust him to do whatever he says we have to do because it's all in the in the service of good and i think that kind of separates it from other films that seem more interested in presenting a orthodox christianity fighting evil okay like in, in other than saying god and throwing a cross there's not really a lot of like interest in traditional religion in the film which like is kind of what makes it fun like yeah. i actually prefer this sort of like white magician adventurer to like the sad priest man of the exorcist who's just like i'm sad about jesus let's go exercise this yeah, girl yeah. Yeah, no, I, 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 I agree. I mean, you know, I, I think that you know, The Exorcist is obviously a much more complex film. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, uh, theologically, but you know, um, it, you know, I, I don't think anybody would would argue with you that that the Devil Rides Out is not a more a, a more fun film. Yeah. <laughs> in certain in certain respects, yeah. Well. I think unless we have any final points, I think that means we go from one fun film to one utterly insane film. Uh, <laughs> anything left to say about The Devil Rides Out before we switch to Drive Angry? I'm ready to drive angry, I got to tell you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I said earlier, you know, like I, the, uh, uh, all I, you know, all I tell people about this film is, you know, would you, would you like to see Nick Cage drink beer out of a, the skull of a satanic high priest? Um, if you would, uh, you're gonna, you, you need to see this movie. Um, yeah, I think it's incredible. And uh, unfortunately, actually a little bit like The Devil Rides Out did not do well at uh, the box office. Uh, Devil Rides Out did kind of whatever Hammer was doing in the UK at the time. United States, it, it, it just didn't have much impact. Um, and, and then uh, Drive Angry kind of it got lost. Uh, there was a couple things with it. Um, it was one of those films that um, was in one of Nick Cage's sort of low periods where, you know, he was sort of being, people were forgetting uh, that he'd been in, you know, uh, numerous incredible films, uh, <laughs> was an Academy Award winner and, you know, was really just an, you know, really an extraordinary actor. And it also is advertised odd. Uh, so I actually didn't see it. Uh, it was several years before I saw it um, because I actually thought it was just kind of another Nick Cage action 
film. I didn't know that there were supernatural elements to it. I didn't think about it as a horror film. Um, and it wasn't really advertised as such. So at the same time, I think there were a lot of people who thought they were going to see, you know, going to the theaters and they were going to see Nick Cage and kind of a, you know, whatever he would do with a Fast and Furious kind of film. And it's just not, you know, it's not that at all. Except things are Fast and Furious. But <laughs> it's, uh, it's not a very... I mean, you know, a film is Fast and Furious where there's a scene in which, you know, Nick Cage simultaneously um, drinks liquor, has sex, and engages in an extremely violent gunfight uh, that, you know, kills the employees of an entire. He never disturbs before a gunfight. No. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we're gonna we're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back. We're gonna dive even more into Drive Angry. Kill him. I'm coming. You're too late. Hell's gonna walk the earth. Hell already is walking the earth. They kidnapped my daughter. I am going to get her back. My whole life has been nothing but waiting, and now it means something. I'm with you until the end. He's no saint. Thought you were dead. <laughs> you hoped I was dead. She's no angel. I am going to kill you. Between now and then, I'm gonna mess you up. <laughs> February 25th. I'm looking for someone angry with attitude. Anyone not trying to kill you. They'll show no mercy. You can't stop me. That baby girl's all I got. What gun is that? Shot in 3D. Drive angry. Radar. February 25th. And we are back to talk about 2011's Drive Angry. What does IMDb say about this? <laughs> well, it was written by Todd Farmer and Patrick Glossier and directed by Patrick Glossier, starring Nicolas Cage, Amber Heard, William Fickner, who I love, and Billy Burke. And sadly, the IMDb summary is actually pretty on point for this. Okay. A vengeful father escapes from hell and chases after the men who killed his daughter and kidnapped his granddaughter. That's yeah. part for the course. So, but yeah, kind of. Yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, I don't know if that quite captures like what happens to you when you <laughs> like what this experience is going to be. But yeah, so I guess that's the base. So tell tell us about this movie and 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 why you why you picked it for today. All right, so um, you know, uh, Nick Cage, you know, plays uh, a character named John Milton. A little on the nose, <laughs> yeah. There is nothing. Uh, there is nothing subtle about this movie, uh, including its name. Uh, you know, he, in the first five minutes, he escapes from hell in a in a muscle car, uh, and as the IMDb summary uh, says, he you know is out to rescue his. He's going to avenge his daughter, save his his granddaughter. If you're anybody's wondering how how is Nick Cage playing? Like sort of is he like a did they age him? Is he grandfatherly character? That kind of thing. No, you know, the whole idea is like he's been in hell. He's been in prison in hell for a while. So um, the world is aged while he's while he's been while he's been there. Um, and so, you know, he goes on a, a road trip. Uh, this is a this is a road, a road movie uh, in, in every respect. Along the way, he meets Piper, played by Amber Heard, who. Sorry to hear your feelings about Amber Heard because I think she's great in this film, and she she's kind of this uh, you know uh, really tough 
waitress who doesn't mind, uh, you know, hitting her, knocking her boyfriend out and helping uh, Nick Cage. Uh, and all along the way, as they chase down this satanic cult, Fickner, William Fickner, who's um, actually uh, really known uh, for a lot of his, he's done a lot of voice work with uh, with uh, console uh, and, and PC video games. Uh, but but he's just a great great actor. I, I just don't understand why he's done more stuff. But he um, uh, he he is following them, and he's this figure known as the account. Uh, this kind of um, he's somehow part of kind of hell's bureaucracy, and he's we we think I'm not going to give too much away, but you know we we're pretty sure that like he's he's there to chase down, uh, and he is chasing down um, Nick Cage, uh, John Milton, in part because it's uh, another fun part of the movie. Uh, in his escape from hell, John Milton has stolen uh, the God Killer. Uh, and the God Killer is this awesome gun that belongs to the devil that sort of can destroy anything supernatural and like also, you know, blow to hell anything else. He only has five bullets or four bullets or something like that. So, so, uh, so the accountant is is coming to get get him back. So that that you know that's that's the premise. There's not a lot of actually like the devil cries out. There's not a lot of we're not given a, too much lore. We're not given too much uh, backstory. Um, and you know things honestly things just kind of start exploding out of the screen at you from um, from the first moment to the last. The lack of explanation is one of my favorite aspects of the film. Like the A, my man seems to have some sort of sixth sense. Now, the funny part about that is as I was watching it and I was trying to understand like, how is he so good at everything? I kind of realized that's how we accept all action heroes to be. That all action heroes just are in the right sure. place at the right time. Yeah. They yeah. all time everything perfectly. But with him, we see enough of him doing that, that like we know that he's making decisions, that he's like, he has some sort of insight. But the film never bothers to explain that insight other than him sure. occasionally making snarky comments of, I knew you'd do that or you're going to get shot. You <laughs> yeah. know, that's what if he goes, yeah. bang, bang at the guy and then the guy gets shot and you're like, okay, so he knows things. Yeah, but yeah. Like, doesn't quite know he enough does, to like protect a, himself. Yeah, and he's kind of a. Uh, I think one of the ways these films are interesting together yeah. is he is this out of control proletarian Christopher Lee that just kind of knows exactly what needs to be right done, uh, and does it. Uh, although it, it's so much more likable uh, <laughs> uh, than. Uh, than than Richelieu, uh, right? So um, so yeah, uh, interesting. Uh, that, and and you know, in both films, for the most part, uh, you know, Cage carries it. Although uh, that again, I think the supporting cast is 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 great. Um, uh, kind of unlike the Devil Right Now. Yeah, I, I actually like a lot more people in this movie than I liked in The Devil Rides Out, but they weren't bad. The Devil Rides Out wasn't bad. It's just some of the folks you were like, all right, you're just there to, oh, okay, that's like your whole role. Even you know? like, uh, yeah, the, the, I am a huge fan of Hell as a Bureaucracy. Yes. Um, One of the, f the only thing, the only thing I liked about, um, what was it, Hellraiser? Oh, yeah. Hellraiser Judgment? Yeah. I think it was okay. called. Uh, there was a character I think called the Adjudicator, 
who was like the main character who was just this guy who when you get to hell he interviews you and the rest of the movie was absolute hot dog shit but this guy was so charming and i was just like i i like the idea of just having a boring desk job in hell like there's just something about that that's so relatable right. well i mean i think the you know uh you know my my internet friend adam kotzka would make the argument that for uh for a lot of the uh, take on the devil in scripture that he just is a guy who punishes people who've done the wrong thing. And this idea that also he's at war with God. Uh, okay. Yeah. All right. You know, like that, that, that's in a couple of places here and there. He says that's a suggestion, but you know, it, I kind of like this idea of like he, the devil is a warden. He has a job to do. He runs a prison. That's what he does. He's a soft-spoken, nice guy who reads a lot of books. Like when the dude said that, I was like, "Yeah, that makes a lot more sense to yeah, me." Yeah, yeah, we get that from uh, the accountant. But, yeah. Uh, well, and it's a, it's in this great moment, which I, I actually was wishing, you know, in mass culture and dealing with the devil, they would kind of play with this idea a little bit more. It's, he, he, he's saying, you know. Um, Satan actually doesn't really care for Satanists that much. Yes. Uh, you know, he's actually a kind of a quiet, well-read guy that's also yeah. a warden of a large prison. You know, um, so, uh, yeah, that actually was a... Uh, and, but, and, and that, uh, I also just like the fact that that's about all of them, as you said earlier, we were saying earlier, you know, that's about, about all of the lore and mythology that we get, kind yeah, of. Yeah, the whole thing. It's, uh, it's enough, you know, to, and I, uh, to have fun with. I, I love the idea of where he says like Satan actually Satan actually doesn't like when innocent children are sacrificed in his name. That's sort of like a nod to like a Levian Satanism where it's like you, you do like children and animals are the most vulnerable group are the two most vulnerable vulnerable groups and like they shouldn't be harmed. It's, it's I mean it's also like the Church of Satan's uh, doctrine is that like you should never ever ever harm a child. And I was watching this movie and I was like, is that like a deliberate nod to that or is that just like? Are they just trying to be cute about it? I, I couldn't tell, but either way, it was. Uh, I, I I definitely like the idea of of Satan just being like kind of like a grumpy guy who's just like, I just want to do my fucking job. Just get this asshole back here and fucking kill these other assholes who were doing shit that I don't like. I also like the idea that they never explain why Satan has a gun. Like a, how there's a gun that kills deities of yeah. some kind, and b, uh, why he has it. You know, like what? What? What Doesn't is? Matter. Well, uh, yeah, and the the only explanation is that they totally stole it from Hellboy. Right. Exactly. That, that, it that it, it looks is, like a prop from Hellboy. Samaritan. Yeah. It, it, it is. It's it's the Good Samaritan. That's what that gun is. So, uh, <laughs> that's, I, I think we've solved it. Yeah, so, no, yeah that's yeah, fair. That's it. Actually, yeah. this, so, it's just a great prop because like he's just got to have a way to, um, you know, it, it, yeah, it's it's a. It, oh, what's so perfect about it is that it's a lot of fun, but it also so it's it's a necessary plot device, you know. Well, and I think it a lot of what happens in the film, it would be easy to say, well, uh, Nick Cage is sort of like an anti-hero fighting, you know, this greater evil, and then as the movie goes on, it becomes pretty clear Nick Cage is looking for redemption for the way he treated his daughter. And this other guy is evil because he's a charlatan. 
not because there's a cosmic battle in which I, Nick Cage has chosen a side. It's like more personal than that. Right. This dude sucks. He's That's a liar right. and he sucks. So Nick Cage is going to save That's his right. daughter. And if that guy dies, awesome. But it's, there's no war. And this yeah. other dude is just kind of like, at, when he first starts helping Nick Cage, I'm like, oh man, maybe he does care about people. And then he's like, no, I don't care about people. I'm going to win points with the boss. He hates this stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, I'm, you know, this is good for me. It's good for my career. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's a lot more. And there's something about that that's really appealing, you know? Yeah. I, yeah, I, no, I, th I think that's absolutely right. That, you know, it, it's um, and it, it's an interesting comparison to The Devil Rides Out. That, right. You know, at the one in the same time, you know, you there's supposed to be this cosmic battle going on, but it just seems very personal. Uh, you know, everything is placed in sort of bigger cosmic terms in the sense that like we actually get to see what hell looks like. And, you know, it turns out it looks like a 19th century uh, asylum, but <laughs> you know, we uh, yeah, kind of a Kirk's bride, you know, style asylum. And um, you know, uh, it, 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 so it's, you know, huge cosmic terms, but, but that actually reinforces the action that actually reinforces, um, you know, uh, we, the reason that we like, uh, John Milton, you know, Nick Cage, and, um, and, and also, of course, the whole dynamic of, um, his dynamic with Amber Heard, where, uh, despite some of the advertising and despite some of the, uh, some of the bad reviews, um, Peter, Peter Travers, who usually like from, uh, Rolling Stone talks about how the, the, the camera kind of just slobbers over, um, Amber Heard, uh, she's wearing you know her short shorts and every scene and that kind of thing um but I, I don't think that quite does justice to either why she's there or what she does while she's there because um they they have this great dynamic of a, a, a she's not the love interest uh, they uh, have kind of a, a father-daughter uh sort of relationship uh, kind of a, there's a suggestion that piper her character becomes kind of a replacement and uh for for his dead daughter and in, and 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 so you know uh, that and and i think that i think one of the signs that you know she's so great in it you know despite any feelings about her her other work is you know it's really i can't imagine having to act in a room with or anywhere with Nick Cage. Right, exactly. Uh, like, I think anybody, and like, as you sort of think back over the years, you know, just to be able to deal with how big he can and how manic he can go, um, I think is, is pretty impressive. And actually, one of the things I like about this film is that I think that some of his best films, and actually his most critically acclaimed films, actually put him um opposite um an interesting female lead i mean yeah. his classic you know leaving las vegas has is elizabeth him and elizabeth shoe you know for the whole movie and um and then of course uh, uh maybe an even better example is uh his his david lynch film wild at heart you know where he's just yes. laura dern and there, there's just something about him i think as an actor the, the 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 really super weird energy that he gives off that I think that it, he, he just sort of works better um, if he has if, if if there's a a a strong female lead you know kind of balancing him and I I don't know I I I really thought you know she hasn't done too much since she did something I think in the Aquaman movie I'm not sure but um, 
but uh, yeah, I, I, I thought she was good. Yeah, I gotta agree. Like I said, I'm I'm not usually a huge Amber Heard fan, but uh, but I thought she was good in this, and I think it was a, it it was a well cast role in that when she is angry in this film, it doesn't feel like it feels very real. Like like yeah. I you yeah. know he, I agree. It's very believable, and I think that is what that character needed is this feeling of like uh frustration at the world around her and you then you believe you know the the movie is not what i would call sentimental i mean it's certainly not sentimental <laughs> towards police officers which good on good oh, on God. you good um, on yeah, you film i appreciate that but uh there's gonna be some yeah some people will not like that well whatever much, I don't, yeah that's I don't... definitely over the top yeah but what i'm but but i will say it, it has this sort of sentimental turn at the end which it i does, feel like yeah is helpful actually usually i would be a little bit skeptical but i think it actually works and when he says yeah i chose you for a reason like that's the reason i chose you is because you'll defend her i believe it he's already seen her be utterly unhinged whenever anyone treats her poorly and also show right. compassion so he's like yeah all right she's real right. nice but she almost killed her boss for touching her so uh yeah that seems like a good <laughs> candidate that's as good a candidate as any <laughs> to raise my granddaughter and uh when he says it i'm kind of like yeah that's basically that that makes sense that's what he wanted yeah you know, she's nice she could kill somebody all right we're good we're <laughs> we're in you know um i think the film also like it, it it has this interesting attitude towards him where you're you're supposed to find him charming and interesting and engaging and that you want to stay with him throughout the the course of the story but it doesn't try to romanticize that he was a bad dad like that's part of the right. point like that that's what's yeah. happening to him in hell he's seeing the results of his bad daddom play out in front yeah. of him and that that's like his punishment you know and uh and yet at the end when he's like i'm just gonna escape again there's some part of the, in the narrative itself that should be like well why would you escape again you've done the thing it's time for you to go back or whatever yeah. but when he says it you're just kind of like ah you scoundrel ah yeah, yeah you are gonna it, 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 it almost ends on like a buddy film note you know what i yeah. mean like it, it's it does it, it, it's yeah. like the the accountants reveal it's, it's a road movie ending yeah yeah, it's like the accountant's revealed to not be all that bad of a guy, and he's like, "All right, get in the ah, you ah, you old you horn swoggling rascal! Like, let's go, let's go back to hell. Even though you're gonna get out, ah, like I don't know, it's something endearing about. Yeah, and it's, it's scored in a really upbeat, you know, yeah, way. yeah, yeah. No, I think uh, you know another thing about it is just in in general for horror fans who are tired of their uh, satanic uh, films just dealing with like you know um a possession exorcism drama uh number 16 and, and <laughs> that kind of thing uh I, I think this is just something really really different and and something that they just would not you know would not be expecting I, I think it's actually still you know important to get the word out that it actually is a horror film i mean again you talked about the flood of it, you know so many nick cage movies and so uh it, it's it's just you know kind of generally skipped um i guess i you know i thought about it again in, in the last you know year or so because of the um uh the 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 happy uh resurgence of of his work in horror with with mandy yeah uh, which you can stay on shutter which we were talking about earlier <laughs> uh that would actually be another good film to, to watch um if you want to do a, a, a three for marathon, uh, Mandy, uh, is, uh, you know, also kind of this primal rage scream, uh, cult, uh, cult, uh, film that, that, that is great. Uh, and then of course, um, 
at least uh, at least critics really love color uh, color out of space, which I was I was glad to glad to see. So um, so yeah, I think maybe people can go revisit this film who either like me missed it at the time, didn't quite know what it was. Uh, thought it was, you know, maybe. Oh, you know, part of the problem too was uh, it was at first. I, I think they're big advertising. Remember, this is 2011, so the 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 big advertising was that like this was um, sort of action. It seemed like an action movie, and and we're just releasing it first in 3D. Yes. Um, oh and yeah. That was uh, that was the moment when uh, 3D was. They hadn't quite. They were doing it all in post production and it looked really bad and so you almost like you know that almost warns you away you know from it and seemed like a gim you know seemed like a gimmick and so and you know most of us who love films don't want uh, our film you know aren't crazy about gimmicks when it comes to to films so you know so yeah i i think yeah maybe uh people can go back and rediscover it yeah, I think I think one of the big problems with this movie getting glossed over at the time was that if you look at the poster for it, it looks almost identical to Bangkok Dangerous, uh, Ghost Rider, yeah. Next, uh, Stolen, Gone in 60 Seconds. You know, it just it really does look like, you know, another Nick Cage movie that's about like he's in a car. Yeah, he's in a car. Yeah, he's he's, driving he, around he's car. like a, he's like an underrated badass that people, you know, they look past don't realize that he's gonna he's a fucking madman but i don't know i just i just like i I have often said that i think nick cage is one of like the greatest living actors and i think it's a i think it's a crime that he's become something of a joke but i don't think there's yeah i don't understand i understand why that happened i guess but i you know i feel like it's people who you know maybe just aren't aware of the kinds of things that he's done i'm constantly surprised and you know i mean i guess it shouldn't be because pop culture is ephemeral by its nature, I guess. But, you know, um, when I mentioned leaving Las Vegas earlier, I mean, I, I'm always stunned the number of people who have just never heard of that film. It's you know? nuts, yeah. Um, yeah, and, and uh, well, and also uh, his Bad Lieutenant film with Werner Herzog, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. like, that's, you know, great. And, um Bring, uh, bringing Out the Dead with Martin Scorsese, you know, actually works with Scorsese and, and Paul Schrader. I mean, that's that's taxi driver territory, you know. I mean, uh, that's the team that, that, that created taxi drivers. So I, I, I definitely, definitely agree with that. I think that, you know, I, I guess maybe part of it with him, do you think, is that, um, you know, he, he just sort of never says no to a script. <laughs> <laughs> a script you know I, like I, you like he's been in scorsese films and then also like he's on a direct dvd film about the uss indianapolis you know um <laughs> so uh, i mean i think it's a combination of how over the top his acting style is and like current internet culture like I, this is this is not the sole reason but i do think a big reason people don't take him seriously is because of the wicker man remake like I know people oh, are like yeah, that's people a good are like point. people are like Nick Cage sucks and I'm like yeah but what like you ever see the Wicker Man I'm like yeah but have you ever seen you know the man like even he in the past yeah like he yeah. in the past twenty years he's made three of my favorite action films The Rock Con Air and Face Off those are all like delightful to watch and people just get so hung up on like movies that he's done 
in his, uh, you know, like Bangkok Dangerous, Gone in 60 Seconds. Like, yeah, have you seen Valley Girl? Have you seen Wild Heart? Have you seen, you know, Leaving Las Vegas? Like, the, he, he's not some, like, schlocky actor. It's, it's uh, he's an intense actor, but he's also, there's there's no one else out there like him. And I think yeah. people get too caught up on on thinking he's a joke to really appreciate just how fucking genius he is. Yeah, and and um, Francis Ford Coppola's nephew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I just think uh, you know, for people listening to this who maybe still are skeptical, you know, yeah, there is a certain corny aspect to this movie, and I kind of joked earlier, but it is oh, true. There he is, definitely. That, but it is it is true that this movie feels like a. At times, it feels like a spec script for a Ghost Rider sequel that, like, was written by someone who doesn't really understand what Ghost Rider is. <laughs> but, uh, but all that said, it was fun and engaging the entire time. It is a different take on a uh, satanic film. I mean, it literally is a guy escapes from hell and, and goes for revenge, and there's a satanic cult in it. And one of the things I loved is that the cult itself felt very culty like that was actually really yeah. compelling to me is like these normal people who are willing to act in extraordinary ways yeah and that makes them more yeah. scary when you see a cult and they all look like thugs or they're all like one you know that doesn't make sense to me i really much prefer the i've recruited a bunch of people who used to be normal people and yeah. now at my behest they are bloodthirsty weirdos i'm like <laughs> Yeah, that's right. sick. That shit's sick. Like that's very good. I just think there's so much to recommend the film. There's some corny aspects. Some of the special effects don't all work. But I don't think anyone is coming to a Nick Cage film called Drive Angry thinking, "Oh man, well this wasn't quite the the deep uh, commentary on human existence I was expecting." Yeah, I think if you come to it with a spirit of I want to see a fun Nick Cage movie, this delivers in a huge way at a time when I think a lot of people had written him off unfairly, you know? So I don't know. I, I recommend yeah. it. I think people should see it. And I also think you should think about the idea of Satan just being this warden. who's like, leave me the fuck alone so I can do my job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very fun. Yeah. Great so, fun. And, uh, and think about seeing them with the devil rides out. Yes. Uh, this is definitely a good pair. Which is feature. also a kind of a, there's a lot of, you know, racing around in cars and other Model T's and whatnot. But there's a, uh, there's also that aspect that kind of ties them together in a, in a weird way. Definitely more car flipping in drive in drive angry though. I, I do, th I, I do well, think I do think exploding and yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> I, I do think that the God Killer is something that Nick that uh Christopher Lee's character would just like pull out like hang on a second I have this gun that was forged from the sword of a crusader. <laughs> I I daren't use it unless it's the yeah. last possible. Oh, it is the last. Okay, yes, exactly. yes, yes. All right. <laughs> yeah. So that yeah. was that was that was drive angry, and uh, the devil rides out. Scott, thank you so much for coming on. Scott, plug everything I and everything. This. this is yeah. fun. Where, where can people follow you on social media? Yeah, uh, so I'm on Twitter. Uh, so uh, look me up at, at Monsters, Monsters America. Monsters America. And uh, pick up my book, Monsters in America. And pick up my latest book, uh, Wasteland, The Great talk, War and the Origins of Modern Horror. Talk about talk about Wastelands a little bit um, because I haven't had a chance yeah, to check just, it out. Uh, yeah, yeah, just so real quick. Um, it's uh, out in paperback now and, and, and hardback as well. And it essentially uh, tells the story of how horror came to be, how the modern horror film came to be and the ways in which uh, 
the Great War or World War One, as we know it now, uh, affected that, and kind of tells the story through the lives of um, everyone, from you know directors like Fritz Lang to um, Bell Lugosi to James Whale, who made Frankenstein. Um, you know, so it's a look back pretty, uh, uh, into uh, in a in a, in a storytelling kind of way uh, back at back at the origins of of, of horror. Yeah. Awesome. So, so Nosferatu to drive angry. Now there's a marathon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, thanks so much for taking the time out from your uh, busy plague schedule and getting on yeah, exactly. the old internets and letting us do this uh, over over the webs. It is greatly appreciated. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate so much. you guys. Yeah, thank you. So uh, if you guys like this episode, you can head to uh, cinepunks.com. There's more episodes there, and there's episodes of a lot of great other podcasts, including but not limited to Wine and Cheese and a few other ones. <laughs> if you like, uh, if you like um, people who aren't sure if they like either the emo records or the cheesy movies they're talking about, like putting two together, that's Wine and Cheese for you. It's and a there, lot of fun. There's a few other podcasts on there. The Evil Eye, Gotham goth movies goth yeah. movies fat girl hacks not a movie podcast but still great if you're listening to us on itunes be sure to rate review subscribe and download 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 uh thank you again to our patreon subscribers you can head to patreon.com backslash cinepunks for more info on how to subscribe like i said we got some cool stuff coming your way um i swear upon all the gods old and new that that is going to happen um thank you to lvac for bringing you this episode and giving us some cool swag you can head to xlvacx.com and uh until next time uh fuck victor salva fuck him peace anyone hear us this is trey lawson and i'm james hickson anyone can hear this broadcast we need your help. We've been kidnapped and imprisoned in a tomb by this creepy old undertaker named Mr. Gravely. And he's forcing us to review his collection of Marvel horror comics. Stuff like Tomb of Dracula. Werewolf by Night. Man-Thing. Ghost Rider. And so much more. If you can hear this, please contact our families. Tell them we can be found at... You can find James and Trey every other Wednesday. At the Tomb of Ideas, a Marvel horror podcast. See you there, Tomb Believers. <laughs> Don't talk, just listen. Son, there is no hope, only mystery, wonder, and danger. Black Sun Dispatches on the Cinefunks Podcast Network.